Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Where you learn a little about a lot. And sometimes a lot about a little. This is episode three of the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, chapter seven through nine. Chapter 7, The Law of Design. To maximize growth, develop strategies. If you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they may have planned for you? Not much. Jim Ron. That can sound pretty harsh, but it's not always intentional that someone's not making plans for your future. Um, When someone's trying to achieve their own goals, uh, the focus, of course, is on themselves and hopefully to better their family, and the people they value most. But if you want to achieve your dreams and goals, it makes complete sense that you're the one that needs to design your life around achieving those. Um, So John Maxwell, he encourages us to design our plans um, by keeping it very simple. Start with your values. Um, If you're not making decisions based on what you value, um, that's going to leave you unfulfilled. Yeah, he breaks up the chapter into kind of two big big sections, life lessons and systems to include the life lessons that we wanted to talk about. Again, back to keeping it really simple. And then also your life versus your career. Designing your life is more important than designing your career. I know we're in the, if you're in the early 20s, you're just getting out of college, you're trying to figure out what to do next. Some of y'all are just hoping for a job, hoping to pay off the student loans, whatever that kind of early 20s brings to you. I know a lot of us are trying to get our feet under us and try to find some stability, especially when we're trying to pay bills. Yes, meeting those basic needs is kind of priority number one. And once you've got that all set, then I think it's um, the more opportune time to see what's coming next. I know some people are really good at compartmentalizing. I'm not. My husband is great at it, so he can keep work at work, and I sometimes can wear work home. But he, I am slowly learning to kind of model what he's doing. And my life is outside of the walls of the building I work in. Mm-hmm. There's so much more going on than what is happening between 7.30 and 4.30 p.m. Exactly. So when you go to develop a system or a routine or an approach um, to achieving your goals and dreams, uh, the first thing he recommends is setting up um, your priorities. So like you mentioned, yes, my job is important and my career is important, but I also have other people to consider and not only my family, but something I'm working on is also trying to take care of myself so I can be better for the people around me. Yeah. It's hard to pour from an empty cup. So trying to, and we're not putting ourselves first. We're just saying you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. Prioritize with your religion and then your family and then however you want to go with that. Me personally, I try to keep God number one. That is hard to do. I just have to constantly refocus, constantly, all of the time. Um, And then I try to put my husband next, and then my kids, and then myself. Being fourth can be rough sometimes, uh, but it's a necessary fourth. Yes, sometimes it's a necessary evil, if you will. (laughs) Right. Um, So one suggestion we have is taking a look at your calendar. Just like if your goal is to become healthier, whether that's losing weight, being more in shape, eating better, having a more balanced diet, 
if you go to a nutritionist, what they'll have you start doing is for a calendar week, write down everything you're eating and drinking and the times of day. So um, looking at this chapter on the law of design, you got to start with where you're at. So we recommend taking a week or if that's too overwhelming, maybe just start with a day and map out minute by minute what you're doing from, you know, getting ready to work, what time you wake up, getting ready for work, um, all the way to being on social media. Uh, See where your time is being spent and see how those line up with your priorities. If your priority is spending time with your kids, but your time on social media is significantly higher than spending time with your kids, maybe you can find some ways to rework your schedule. I know a lot of people, they try to budget their money, and where am I putting my money, and my first amount, my when I get my paycheck, my first set goes here, my second set goes here, and I put 20 in the bank just to have for saving, but we don't do that with our time. And everyone says, time's money and all this stuff, so then let's put it into practice. What are you doing with your time? Where are you spending your good minutes? Treat it like a dollar bill. Every minute is a dollar. So what are you doing with all of the dollars of the day? Where is that going? Yeah, and John Maxwell mentions multiplying by two. And this um, phrase means usually whatever you think, however long you think it's going to take, go ahead and multiply that by two because it'll usually take twice as long. I know when I tell my husband, hey, I got to do this quick thing after school, And he's like, well, how long will that take? And I'm like, oh, you know, 30 minutes. And then it's almost like two hours later, I'm just leaving school. So I know I'm guilty of, you know, assuming that I can do things a whole lot faster. And then I get so frustrated and beat myself up when I don't meet what I think is a simple goal. So I like this suggestion of multiplying it times two. Um, It's probably more of a realistic timeline or a realistic measure. But... um, If you do it sooner, then it just makes it that much better. So he does talk about systems, and his multiply by two idea is great. So we wanted to talk about some systems that we use, and maybe if you have a good system, please tell us, because sometimes we feel like we are treading water. So Farron, what you were mentioning, your system, or his system of timesing by two. So something, a system that works for me. Whenever I am loading up three kids to get in the car to go somewhere, Somehow this magical formula came to my mind. Thank you, Jesus. I have to do five minutes per kid equals load time. So if we're trying to leave by eight, if I have three kids, I plan for five minutes per kid. So we need to start loading at 745 so that we can leave at eight. I don't know how it's worked and how I came to that, but that idea has proven true this whole time. So there's usually an explosion or someone needs a baby doll or I forgot water. I don't know. But that system has worked so far. What about you, Farron? So again, with systems, it said to start with priorities. So um, one priority I had after having the last baby was getting in back into shape. And so I started working out. Well, then when I started working out after school, it interfered with another priority, which was spending time with my kids. And so I looked at my schedule, and I hated to see it, but the only solution I could see was working out before work. Oh, that sounds terrible. It does sound terrible, but I felt awful when I didn't get a workout in, and even when I woke up at my regular time, I still woke up tired. So 
I could wake up tired an hour early or wake up tired at the regular time and not feel accomplished by getting workouts in. And that was definitely an afterthought. Again, I just I made that action hoping for the best, and it's not easy. I don't do it every day of the week, but two to three times a week I try to get up and work out before I go to work. So then, again, reflecting on that, I was able to get a priority in, which was working out, while also maintaining another priority, which was spending time with the kids and my family in the evenings. Um, So to achieve that, it also requires a lot of organization, which was another suggestion in this chapter, which seems obvious. Um, but like one thing that we talked about is picking your kids' clothes out or, or even your own clothes out right. um, the day before. And, you know, you climb into bed and you're like, oh, I didn't pick clothes out. I'll figure it out in the morning. Well, then in the morning, I stand there frustrated in the closet wishing I would have picked my clothes out the night before. Right. For some reason, it takes twice the amount of time in the morning to pick your outfit out than it does the night before. So something, I've been in this situation a million times, so something to combat that. I have something called work uniform. It sounds really silly, but it's only silly if it doesn't work. And I just wear black pants, some sort of shirt, and some sort of jacket every day. I know that sounds redundant, and I look whatever, but you know, it's a system, and it works for me. Yeah, and some people, their priority is their outfits and what they wear. Um, So they're going to organize and develop a system where they can look, you know, straight out of a magazine every day. And I admire those people. I'm not um, those people. Yeah, I, I... I wish I could be those people. ...do prioritize sleep, but um, maybe someday my priorities will change. Mm, stitch Fix saved me on several things. We're in a Stitch Fix shirt right now. Well, look at that. that. Another thing that works for me, uh, just speaking from my relationship with Morgan, he doesn't want to have to worry about what we're eating for the week. And it's taken some years for us to kind of get a system down. But his personality is he doesn't have to be in control of everything. He just wants to know who's in charge of certain aspects. Like he doesn't want to be in charge of figuring out what we're having for dinner on this day or this day. He just wants me to kind of take the lead on that and I'm happy to do it. So we've worked out a meal calendar where I just write down the days of the week and then what we're eating that day. He knows he can walk by, see it at any point. Um, and sometimes bonus, he'll set out the meat to thaw while I'm at work because I leave before he does. So that is helpful. And that, again, that's something that works for us. I definitely think in households, communication is something that you hear time and time again. And I think people are communicating, um, but maybe not at the right time. Like as the baby is screaming in the high chair is not the time to have communication. So me and my husband, Jacob, we try to talk Sunday nights just at a glance. What does the week look like? And then we touch base um, every morning. Okay, you got this. I got this. Um, And just keeping the communication uh, out there in the open. Right. A lot of times it is just the basic, hey, just let's revisit this real quick. Let's have a plan. Let's revisit it daily. Another thing that's been a game changer for us is one of those big magnetic calendars we put on the refrigerator. We didn't have that the first five years of marriage, and we got that off of Amazon, and it's been really helpful. Yes. Jacob, if it's not on the calendar, we never talked about it. Yep. He understands we may have, but we may as well have not Mm -hmm. if it's not on the calendar. 
So the next point talks about consistency. So a lot of times when you find a system that works and then a month later you find yourself in the same situation or, you know, things are falling apart with organization, a lot of it's consistency. But what people will do is they'll come up with a whole new system and that's a lot of work. Whereas if you would just be consistent with the system you had seen success with, um, then you wouldn't be running into some of the same issues. Right, and then there's also an age and a stage. So let's say we have a really good system for our dishes, dinner, bedtime routine. That whole block of time from like 7 to 9 or whatever that is for you guys. Maybe that works one way when the kids are all under 3, but we now we have games on certain days of the week because our kids are older, so what are we going to do now? We can either... I'll eat dinner at 4 p.m. or 10 p.m. What are we going to do there? So, again, there's an age and a stage. Troubleshoot that system frequently, like you were saying, in different phases of life. And that even happens in the business world, right? A company starts off really small, and they have these systems in place. But then, you know, they grow, and they're big, and there's new technology integration. And if you keep using the same systems, you might not be as effective and grow as much as you could. Now, that doesn't mean throw everything out the window, but sometimes, you know, staying in the same system isn't the most appropriate or beneficial thing for your company or your the people working for you. I don't know how many times I've heard the phrase, well, that's the way we've always done it. Oh, gosh. Like, yes. If that's the way we've always done it, then let's get out the tablet and chisel, and that's how we take notes. What are we doing? If there is a more effective system, then let's put that in place. It's the same thing. So, yeah, we could write pencil and paper. Or we could type it on the computer, share it on a Google Doc. Everybody has it all at the same time. So one way is more effective. I can go make copies of this handwritten note, or I can immediately have it available to everyone. Again, there are different ways to do different things, and different people have different systems on what works for them in that moment. So again, if that's the way we've always done it, then what, what are we trying to do? We're yeah. certainly not growing. There's definitely a need for discretion on what systems to keep in place and what uh, systems need to be updated a bit for sure. I like your idea about writing your calendar minutes out and it took me too long to figure out from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. happens to be the witching hour for the Collier family and it's not because the kids are from the devil or whatever it's because everyone just got done with school or work and we're all hungry and like I said we don't operate well when we are hungry or tired, and we're all tired and hungry after a long day of working hard. So it took me a while to figure out, why am I trying to rush to cook dinner at 4 as soon as I get home? Whenever I have kids who are hungry right now, I can just give them a snack. Cook dinner, we can all actually eat dinner together instead of kid dinner at 5, adult dinner at 6.30. Schedules are off, because one of our goals has always been dinner all together at the table, and so I think... The 4 to 6 p.m., I've just got to work on it. And like you were saying, troubleshoot, tweak it as the kids change or as life stages go through. Um, and that's helped. There was one time where I had to call an insurance company about Rhett. We had to get him on our insurance after he was born. And they had typed in his social security number wrong. So, of course, he was not in the system. And we couldn't get his bills or whatever. It was not fun. Uh, so I happened to call the insurance company at 4 o'clock. Again, mistake on me. I knew from 4 to 6 I should not do anything. Nothing should be done except for play with kids, have snacks, and maybe start dinner. Maybe. 
But no, what do I do? I call the insurance company. Let's solve this problem right now. And I was on the phone for them for the whole 4 to 6 p.m. time slot of craziness. And kids were hungry. Kids were crying. I was frustrated. The person on the other, other line was like, can you mute your phone so I can talk to the other person? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm that mom. Wow, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. It's the 4 to 6 window. Why did I decide to do this right now? So now I know. 4 to 6, don't do anything productive. Just have fun with the kids, have snacks, and just be in the moment. I know that if I was looking at a day like that, I would chalk the whole day up to like a loss and what am I doing with my life? But again, if you can kind of map out your day or your week or even your month and just see like why am I so stressed at these times or these days and um, then it doesn't feel like a complete loss and you kind of feel like, hey, I'm doing good in the other 22 hours of my life. If I could do something to help for these two, because, man, those little moments feel so overwhelming for sure. And again, I mean, if you're a big company or I'm thinking even, you know, we're educators, so like a school year. And if you think about, okay, what weeks are teachers most stressed? What systems could we look at replacing or changing or adapting um, so that way, again, the people working for us um, are feeling their best because when they're feeling their best they're doing their best I know that um, again thinking about where you start with your priorities um, I didn't want my kids always watching TV in the car it's been a blessing for long trips Um, so I told myself to and from school we are not watching a movie and I quickly learned that it was a punishment for me on the way home from school to not play a movie for 15 minutes because Um, they're tired and done, like you said, I'm done, and they're just picking at each other, they're whining to me, and so that little 15-minute car ride home, we don't watch it on the way, but on the way home, we did, we started watching a video, and we walk in that door recharged and happy about life. It used to be we'd walk in, and my husband would be like, what happened? (laughs) And I was like, it really wasn't bad until we got in the car, and so... Um, I still catch myself saying, if y'all don't behave, we're not watching a video on the way home. And about five minutes in, I'm like, oh, this is not a punishment for them. It's a punishment for me. Right. So definitely it's amazing how much blocking out your time you can find specific areas that need new systems. Again, I really like this whole this whole chapter on trying to figure out what works best for you uh-huh. and your family or you and your company or you and your tribe or whoever's around you. What works best for you guys so you can thrive? Because I know a lot of us, again, if you're into personal growth, you are done just surviving. Yep. You're ready to start thriving. You're ready to start growing. So again, putting effective systems in place and then just re- re-evaluating those every once in a while and also getting feedback from the people involved, I think... It's a very great way to have open lines of communication. The last thing that it talked about that I think is important is measurement. So if you come up with a system, it needs to somehow be measurable. I don't know if you can tally mark how many times you yell at your kids each night. Sure you can. There's a tally counter app. You can do that. Download that. But you want to see if the system's effective or not. You want to be sure that you're going to be able to notice a difference. Um So somehow coming up with it being measurable. Again, my husband could definitely gauge our attitudes coming in the door every day. Now, he was smart enough to never share those, but 
you can read reactions once you've been together a while. So, but something measurable, just so you know if your system has been effective or not. That sums up chapter seven, the law of design. Up next, chapter eight, the law of pain. Good management of bad experiences leads to great growth. Every problem introduces a person to himself. John McDonnell. All right, this chapter, we have it kind of split into two and a half, if you will. A, chat, a little section, a half section, and a section after that. So the commonalities of bad experiences, what kind of pains you, and then turning your pain into gain. Yes. So everybody, we know everyone has bad experiences. It's definitely easy to say, why is this happening to me? Um, but even if it's a similar experience, when it happens to you, it's still always personal. So um, it, everyone has them, but yes, they are. That doesn't mean everyone feels or reacts the same way. Even if we have the same, if the same thing happens to us, we might interpret it two totally different ways based off of personality, previous experiences, environment, mm-hmm. stuff out of our control, nature, nurture. So even if we have the same, if we both got fired, yep. same day, same job, we both have two different reactions based off of what is going on outside of the walls. Yep. And we all know no one likes them. Um, and so sometimes, though, we bury our pain, right? We use it as an excuse, like getting fired. Well, so, tons of people get fired. Why do I even feel so upset? Why is this so painful for me? Or, yeah, st- crappy stuff happens to people all the time. Why should I even, you know, be flinching at this? But um, you want to capitalize on bad experiences the most you can. Uh, You can't undo it. You can't take it away. Um, So in a weird kind of way, you're trying to make the most of it, turning these bad experiences into good experiences. And kind of to zoom out on that, let's say, Farron, you were going through something and you have turned your lemon into lemonade, Mm -hmm. and I go through the same thing, and I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. I can lean on you, and you can give me the wisdom that you have through that experience. So even if you've gone through something terrible, there is someone out there that knows your pain and has been through a similar situation, so reach out. Reach out to those people because I know that I've been through stuff, and I wish I would have said something earlier, and then I would have gotten advice on how to cope or how to handle it and then maybe pay it forward to someone else. Yeah, for sure. I've had similar painful experiences. Well, not similar, but I've also had painful experiences, and it wasn't until I started sharing them or confiding in others or working through them that I felt relief. Uh, The longer I kept them in or tried not to share or look for help, was just a longer and more painful uh, situation to be in. Right. So. I think there's something to be said in the healing process, too, mm-hmm. of being vocal about it and finding that support group, whatever that looks like, whether that's a counselor or a pastor or your circle of influence, finding, reaching out, talking about it. I think that's, that's going to help you work through it, too. Exactly. So the rest of this chapter kind of, again, this book is really great at, okay, you've identified something you want to do, Here's some suggestions on how to tackle um, that problem or that challenge um, you're facing. So the next section 
our little kind of half section we were talking about, he goes on and lists some pains that he has dealt with, whether it's bad health or hard decisions or financial loss. So we wanted to kind of talk about some of our pains that we have gone through in our pain file. And we would also think that you guys should reflect too, what is in your pain file? Because we can, again, turn those into tools in our tool belt. What can we use from this bad experience? How can we propel ourselves forward to grow? Yep. Um, so one that I know a lot of um, women face is mommy guilt. Praise. Yes, mommy guilt, um, especially when you have bigger dreams. Um, you know, sometimes that involves when you're, we just talked about setting up systems that might involve time away from your kids or um, doing things for your family and your husband, um, which results in this guilt. And it's hard to um, manage that. I think by mapping out what I do, I see all the time and all the things I do for my family and for my kids. Um, And even having conversations with my kids, their memories have not been, you weren't there. They're always talking about all the times you are there and all the things you do with them. Um, So... I think that's one way to uh, tackle that feeling. Some of the best advice I got about mom guilt was, what makes you the best mom? Feeding your baby this way, feeding your baby that way. Or doing a sleep schedule versus not. Whatever, what makes you the better mom or husband or boss? What is going to make you the better version of yourself? Yep, for sure. And it just goes back to it looks different and... We're all trying to do what's best for our kids. We're not intentionally trying to do something wrong. And I think that also comes with just speaking life into your whoever your people are. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I have to make this really hard decision. I won't be here at this time, but here are all the times I will be here for you. And then get your people to rally around you. So if that's mom has to go work out, well, look, mommy's so strong. She's working really hard. She's doing that so that she can pick you up and throw you in the air a hundred times, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Wall balls. Wow. <laughs> Wall balls with little tiny humans. Try that. And also get your husband in on it. Hey, yeah, mom is going to put this first. She knows it's important. She knows she wants to model for you. Again, put that on to principal to teacher or put that on CEO on down. Mm-hmm. And just analyzing where that's coming from. Is it coming from negative self-talk? We talked in an earlier podcast about building your self-esteem. Is it coming from you getting on social media and comparing yourself to others? I mean, that's the comparison game. That's like beating a Mm -hmm. dead horse. Like, you know that that's only going to lead to trouble. Um, You know, some people say, well, when I compare myself to others, that's how I gauge where I'm at. And truly, you should only gauge at where you are based on where you were yesterday and the day before. Again, focusing on the process of growth and not comparing your beginning to someone else's middle or end. Right. And then you can't, you can't ever be another person. Yep. You can't be them. You can't do those things. You can only be a better version of you. No one is younger than you. Yep. To quote Dr. Seuss. I know it sounds <laughs> cheesy, but man, it works. So again, do better than you did yesterday. If that means putting away one more dish, man, you put up two dishes, good for you. That's a small win, and I'll take it. Yep. And, I mean, if you don't have mommy guilt, you're going to have some type of guilt for not pursuing your goals. Or maybe your mom's skills are going to be on point, 
And then you're going to have wife guilt or daughter guilt or (laughs) whatever it is. Gosh, it could be. There's so much guilt out there. It's like spinning plates, whichever one's about to fall. That's the one that you associate that guilt with. So again, try to have better self-esteem. Really look at your systems you have in place and focus on your priorities instead of comparing them to everyone else. So Farron, you mentioned mom guilt. So in my pain file, I would say reflecting upon mistakes in a negative way mm-hmm. so even I'll oh it's bedtime I'm gonna just rest my eyes and then my inner voice says remember that one time you gave a bad interview answer back mm-hmm. in 2010 what mm-hmm. why do I still think about that I'm not even at that facility anymore but I'm still thinking about an interview question I could have answered better and yep. I still gave a fine answer or it's kind of like whenever you come up with a presentation and you walk out after the meeting I should have said this. Uh, I should have said that. And then you can't get it out of your head. That is, that's one of the things I have to, I struggle with and I have to focus on. So I've got to turn those little pains back into something that I can produce growth from. Yep. I still remember in middle school, (laughs) I I told my friend, her name was Megan, shout out. Uh, (laughs) I told her crush that she liked he was telling me he liked her, so I said, what do you know? She likes you. I thought I was doing the right thing, and she got so upset with me, so then I just tried to fix it by telling him I liked him. Oh, you just made it worse. <laughs> and then he's like, I like you too, and I was like, wait, no. This oh my gosh. Bad. So that, I mean, stuff creeps <laughs> up all the time. Yeah, I think, you know, we dated a whopping week in middle school. That was oh, like wow. a year. I'm in love. I'm in love. <laughs> no. Zero love. But yeah, I mean, stupid little mistakes. I still cringe and it's like those people probably don't even remember at all. Yeah. Yes. At they all. don't even remember that instance and do they even remember you? How many people have you do you talk to from middle school? Zero. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It'll be all right. And that's, it's just silly that we still think about that kind of stuff whenever it is irrelevant and it is not productive. So not today, Satan. You're not going to get those crazy thoughts back in my head. Get the wheel spinning. No, thank you. Yeah. So the next little part about this chapter, how to turn your pain into gain. So again, reflecting on choosing a positive life stance. I know we talked about perspective, the whole shift in your brain. Uh, from going from the negative into the positive. So reframing everything into a positive light, it takes a lot of work at first. It is a long uphill battle, but once you are in the good habit of doing that, it's a piece of cake. I know it sounds so silly to Morgan. He thinks I'm crazy for being like, thank you, Jesus, for letting me get a green light. He's like, you're really thanking Jesus for a green light? I'm like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yep, and I think if you have trouble finding the positive in a negative situation, um, first, you got to be ready to hear it, but then I think, again, going to a trusted friend or relative or your significant other, you know people that are almost disgustingly positive and optimistic, <laughs> so maybe don't start there, but find someone a notch down from there. There are people in your <laughs> life that are always you know, looking uh, for the positives and those bad experiences and being optimistic, so if you have to, start outside yourself. And then, you know, hopefully that habit develops inside. Yeah, get a little creative in your approach to figuring that out. Oh, look at you. Yes, the next point actually talks about being creative and uh, developing your creativity. And when we first read this part, we were like, wow, that's oddly specific because I've heard so many people say, I'm not creative. 
But I think when people hear the word creative, they think of being artistic and scrapbooking and painting murals. Even and, though you are really good at scrapbooking. Well, I have a passion for it. That doesn't <laughs> always equal um, being good at it. But um, sometimes being creative is just being a problem solver, um, being able to empathize, being able to see someone else's uh, perspective in a situation. So um, use that tool, that creativity, to just think outside the box and... Um, to turn your pain into gain, as John Maxwell says. Right. Another part is learning the value of bad experiences. Yes, bad experiences are terrible. No one enjoys a bad experience, but we have to learn that somehow this has happened to me, so let me get something out of it. Let me find some sort of something. I can either relay information or help someone else through it, or I can become a stronger, better person because of it or in spite of it. Just embracing the value of it. Because what's your other choice? Right. Are you going to say, this hurt me, it's going to continue to hurt? Um, I know that pain, personally, doesn't ever necessarily go away, but when it rears its face again, it doesn't last as long when you're able to talk through any of the positives that came from the situation or ways to use it to help others. Yeah, and the part is you may never you may never know what good can come from it. Yep. You may not be on you may not know it on this side of life. You may not know the positive impact that you could have because of how it has shaped your character. You may never know those things, and that's hard because you're gonna have to be okay with that too. Yep. Another part it says is take responsibility for your life. And again, yes, this bad, terrible thing happened or things or whatever it is, but we've got to be in charge of ourselves. Control what you can control. Just because this happened to me doesn't mean I'm going to turn around and do it to someone else. That's not okay. No, this is definitely a recurring theme throughout the book. And just another spin to put on it is when I'm working with my students and they're like, oh, he messed me up. Um, just placing the blame on others. Then I'm like, okay, well, when you do it right, you need to blame him too. You know, so if you're going to, you know, blame this situation for being poor and awful or blame like well I'm not achieving my goals because of so and so um, that's not going to help get you to where you want to go you're going to have to stop playing the blame game and take the responsibility because ultimately you are going to get yourself to where you want to be and that doesn't mean the other party's not guilty right because they very well could be yep but at the same time uh, go back to what can you do from this situation how do we rise above it Exactly. Definitely not taking any of the blame away from them for what incident they may have been involved or that they were involved with, but you can't let that control the rest of your life. You could, but um, I don't know that you'd have the happiness or fulfillment you could get. Chapter 9, The Law of the Ladder. Character growth determines the height of your personal growth. Achievement to most people is something you do. To the high achiever, it is something you are. Doug Fireball. Yeah, so this chapter we are looking at the law of the ladder, which more specifically a character ladder. So looking at you and your character traits, um, your morals, your values, and how you can improve. Essentially, John Maxwell says that through character growth, it'll lead to personal growth, which will lead to personal success. So he lists several subjects to work on. Um, For example, 
um, restraint, honesty, direction, um, influence, all these different character traits. And he works with a group of people and they evaluate the benefits of each of these traits. So the ability to influence someone would be very important in a job where you are leading a team or selling a product. And so they list out all the benefits. And then after they see the, the purpose in having this character trait, they would evaluate themselves on where they stood. And so if this was something they needed to be better at, they would place it on their ladder. Um, now the first rung and the top rung of your ladder isn't necessarily important. Um, you can prioritize them. He doesn't say you need to do them in this order, but you yourself would prioritize these various character traits and start with the one that you think is most important and valuable to where you are um, personally and professionally. One thing he mentions is focusing on being better on the inside than on the outside. So your character matters. And a lot of times we talk about how input determines output. So whatever you're putting in your body is what will come out of it. Right. And good. Well, just that um, a lot of these character traits you will eventually see on the outside, but just like personal growth in general, it all starts on the inside. Right. It almost makes me think of the movie Shallow Hal. <laughs> where he, he somehow I think he has a head trauma and then suddenly he can only see what the person is for who they are on the inside so Gwyneth Paltrow plays the beautiful lead when really uh, she is she is really not beautiful on the outside and it's his battle of overcoming looking at people's covers instead of going on and figuring out who they are on the inside he eventually saves the day they fall in love it's the basic classic. rom-com classic yes. rom-com side <laughs> note morgan's really into rom-coms and i just can't stand them so ratting you out there husband love ya do i see that as a future christmas card potentially oh yeah i like that <laughs> i think it'll be good we do weird christmas cards you'll find out about it later they're it's pretty great. awesome oh gee thanks so input determines output something that i did a few years back it was probably wow almost eight years ago I was just not in a good place in my work life. I was I was struggling in different aspects and it was a it seemed like a silly fix, but I stopped listening to secular music and started listening to audiobooks and Jesus jams and that good old Lauren Daigle Pandora radio station. I know it sounds silly. I'm not trying to sound snooty. I love secular music. It's fun to listen to, but it was just one way that I could start putting good stuff into my mind. I needed that input because a lot of times I'd get a song stuck in my head and it is not a song that I would want my daughter to sing. I don't want it representing women that way or however it is. So putting the good stuff in my head helped me combat those, the singing of not good information yeah no for sure I mean if you listen to um, negative self-talk or you're raised in an environment where there's a lot of anger I mean people do come out of those situations but you you gotta agree that you know whatever you're hearing and exposing your mind to consciously or subconsciously that's going to carry over into other aspects of your life yeah and I also used to love watching horror movies and thrillers, I mean, I'll still watch some thrillers. Depends on what it's about. 
But now that I am older, I am already stressed out in the workplace or with other things. So the last thing I want to do in my free time is watch a stressful movie mm-hmm. and then have to stay up until three watching a Disney movie to <laughs> be able to fall asleep and not have to worry about some creepy girl outside my window. Oh, man, when you watch creepy little kid movies uh-huh. and then you have the little kids and they come to your bed and they're like, Mama. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I almost punched one of my kids in the face. Nothing's more that. terrifying than rolling over at 3 a.m. Oh. And there's a child in your face mouth breathing. Yeah. What is this? Are oh, you possessed? Yes. I don't know. How did you get here? What is happening? You snuck right up on me. Golly. That's why they go to dad's side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good rule. They never go to dad's side of the bed for, at my house. It's always mom's side. Oh, well, mm. just almost punch one in the face and see what happens. <laughs> see go. what happens. <laughs> see what happens. All right, so um, he continues on, you know, mentioning his rungs on his ladder, and um, he mentions the golden rule, which that one I could get on my soapbox um, from time to time, uh, especially with working with kids and seeing the way they treat each other, but even coworkers and you know, parents talking to other adults, like teachers, and um, I don't know, I just... I, I do like the golden rule that it's in its simplicity, not manipulated or taken to some nth degree. But in general, if you treat other people the way you would want to be treated, a lot of drama, I think, could definitely be um, avoided. It's really funny that uh, some, just an example, some teachers may not be the nicest to their students. Mm-hmm. But the second mm-hmm. someone's mean to their kid, they want to, what? Yep. Raise the alarm. It's just interesting. Uh, Practice what you preach on that one. My favorite is, oh, this kid walks into school late every day. And then, oh, guess who's rolling into every staff meeting late. So, just saying. I see you. (laughs) We all see you. Okay, it's actually me. (laughs) (laughs) Exposed. I know. Uh, Another aspect he talks about is teaching only what you believe in or practicing what you preach. So... Again, punctuality is a big deal for me. I like to be on time, but that's just me. Yeah, I used to like to be on time. (laughs) And then, you know, I'm going to throw an excuse out there and just say kids. But honestly, I was probably not very punctual. I like the idea of it. Yeah. I try to be. In theory, on time (laughs) is great, right? Yep. And then there's situations that arise. You know, And and everyone has their own thing. Yeah. Like, punctuality is mine, but... Definitely not other things. Or chew with your mouth closed. I know I'm going off on a little tangent here, but I always chew with my mouth closed, so you so better chew. With... <laughs> yes. What happens if someone has a cold and they can't breathe through their nose and they, they have better to eat breathe eat. somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> or I will leave. I usually leave. Oh, that just sounds terrible. Oh, I know. Oh, memories that we can't talk about. But that leads well into the next one, which talks about perspective and everyone has a weakness. Um, Mouth breathing, eating. That is a weakness. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see how that would be a strength. Um, Unless you're like a mom bird trying to feed baby birds. I don't know. You'll have to be creative in figuring out how to positively spin that one. I don't, yeah. That's just homework. Give me, give me some tips. Actually, I don't even really want to read about it. I'm too visual. (laughs) I can't even. Please do it. No. I want to see her dry heave. It's fine. Um... But, you know, I, we've talked about this before, making mistakes or, you know, striving to do our best 
all the time. Um, it really bothers me that sometimes we have troubles recognizing that everyone has a weakness. And, you know, if you're looking for someone's flaws, you're going to find them. Uh, and it turns out we all have them. They just might be different flaws. So um, part of a good character t- trait to have is um, recognizing that other people aren't perfect either. So again, if we ha- can develop some character traits when looking at others, then we can use those also when we're evaluating ourselves and uh, hopefully improving our self-talk. Right, and sometimes we are looking at everyone else's weaknesses except ours, and that gives off a holier-than-thou, which is not good. So again, the practice of humility, constantly staying humble. Yes, they have a weakness, but so do I, and keeping that in perspective, which brings us to being teachable or coachable. Yes, we have weaknesses, so what are we doing about it? Are we seeking guidance, and are we listening to it? There was one time, so I coach for funsies, there was a girl who was not very nice, but she was trying to pass the soccer ball, and she was doing it wrong. She was passing with her outstep when you should pass with your instep. I was trying to teach her this, and she had been doing this for a long time. I probably coached her for a couple years before she was no longer on the team. And I asked her, I said, okay, we've I've taught you about this, so what are we not doing? And she said, I can't use my instep because my foot's too big. Mm. And I said, what size shoe do you wear? She said, a seven. I said, oh, that's funny. I wear a seven as well. And I'm pretty sure the professional league players wear larger than size seven, and they can pass with their instep. So, again, I'm sure I put a pretty bow on that and said that in a nice way. But, again, (laughs) she would continue to still pass incorrectly. So at what point does your mentor just say, if you don't want to do it, then what? How, how do I help you? Yeah, those definitely go hand in hand, recognizing you have a weakness, but then not excusing it away or blaming it on something else. Being teachable means being receptive to it and you know, uh, taking that feedback and doing something with it. Um, not blowing it off, but trying to apply it. All right, another way to help practice humility is being a servant leader, mm-hmm. serving others. And there are a lot of people who like to lead from the back and like to do a lot of pointing. But I, it makes me think of the Spartans where King Leonidas was in the front, leading from the front, and everyone he was brave, so everyone else decided to be brave too. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of leaders like that. You want to follow those guys. You want to be those guys. So again, lead from the front, serve people, get out there, and you carry the ball bag or you make the copies for the person who's really swamped. Everyone's been swamped. You can help. Find a way to help. For sure. And if you don't know how to help, just ask. You'd be surprised about how many people could say, if you could just do this one thing for me, that would take a load off of me. Yeah, and sometimes you think you're helping, and that's not helping. Instead, if you would have just asked, they could tell you exactly how to help. Yeah, back to communication. And then also just a sense of being grateful and thankful for things. If you aren't thankful for something, you're not thinking hard enough, bottom line. Mm -hmm. Yep, I mean, I think that it speaks volumes to your leaders um, as well as the people maybe working under you or even um, in the household. I know whenever I see my kiddos bend down and pick something up that I didn't ask them to, man, I'd jump all over that instantly and tell them how glad I am to do it and then sure enough the other one starts looking for something to pick up (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I can tell them how thankful I am that they pick something up and next thing you know my floor is clean so um I think showing your gratefulness and 
thanking people and being grateful um, comes back tenfold, whether that's your intent or not. And that creates a, a culture of positivity mm-hmm. and just of gratitude. I know I love working in a place that is filled with that. It has been a game changer working where people are constantly thankful and constantly leading from the front and just open lines of communication and being willing to help. It's They are all of those things. They are humili- They are humble with knowing they have weaknesses, learning how to help, learning how to help you with it, learning how to grow from it, serving and being thankful. For sure. If you don't work in a place like that, find one. <laughs> or you can create it yourself, and it starts with you. Yep. Uh, we mentioned in the previous podcast, too, about you know shape, reshaping your attitude if you can't change your environment. So um, definitely working on your character traits. Um, it becomes contagious. I've seen it happen where... You know, maybe you become more positive and speaking positivity. And next thing you know, people around you are trying to be optimistic as well. So it can be contagious. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one of the last points he makes is um, to finish well. So once you've committed to something, see it through all the way to the end. That sure speaks to your character Especially if someone knows you're moving on to a different project or if they know you're not enjoying it, but man, you still show up and give 100% every day. Uh, finishing well is definitely, I mean, I'm sure you've told your players that before, to yes. leave it all out on the field. Yes, and just that just shows your integrity as mm-hmm. a person. Even if you're leaving your school to go to another school or you're getting a promotion and your boss already knows about it, but finish strong. Finish strong no matter what. Yep. That, defi- that just shows your character mm-hmm. to the core. And that's going to also help you um, later in life when you're when you're coaching someone up. I know there are times where kids want to quit in the middle of a season, and there are some parents who are like, "No, you signed up for it. You're going to finish the season, whether you like it or not. This is going to build your character." For and they sure. are so right. Yep. Whenever you achieve something that you didn't think you could do or you didn't want to do, whether it's because it was hard or whatever the reason may be, you can always look back on that situation because there will be more situations like that. Um, And so it just proves yourself to yourself that you can do it. Um, I would definitely recommend going back into this chapter um, and looking at the list of different character traits because I'd I'd like to think I have good character. (laughs) But when you start looking at this list, there's obviously always room for improvement but if you're having trouble picking a word or a specific trait or coming up with one um there's definitely a lot on here to consider right i agree and everyone can stand to improve like you were saying earlier Farron. yep all right that sums up chapter nine the law of the ladder thanks for listening to the witty and gritty podcast hosted by brooke and Farron. you can find us on facebook instagram pinterest and our website wittyandgritty.blog subscribe to our email list to get exclusive updates freebies and more keep tuning in to learn a little about a lot